0: Hello everyone, this is J.P. Mac and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Hello again everybody and I am your humble host J.P. Mac and welcome to this week's edition of the Liberty Relearn podcast. So, back in 2010, the Then German Chancellor Angela Merkel stated that multiculturalism had utterly failed. Thirteen years later, the PVV party, uh, Party for Freedom, of Dutch politician Geert Wilders, has won enough seats in their parliament's election to make him their next prime minister. He and his party ran on a hardline anti-Islamist stance. And this is just one of a series of wins by um, right-wing politicians in Europe, you know, starting in Italy and also in Hungary, now in the Netherlands. Um, Also in in Finland, also a right wing politician, one in Argentina. So this shows that uh, the world is starting to uh, turn on uh, the hard left politicians, and the pendulum is now swinging back towards the right so we will start with that story of Geert Wilders win in the election in the Netherlands Uh, we have this story here in Fox News hard right firebrand Geert Wilders wins election in the Netherlands Dutch Donald Trump and so that's saying a lot, calling him the Dutch Donald Trump, because he is a populist. And so this story is by Bradford Betts of Fox News, and also, all the way at the bottom, it mentions AP may have uh, contributed a little bit to this story. And so it starts off, controversial Dutch Politician Geert Wilders has won a massive victory in election, positioning him to form the next ruling party and potentially become Netherlands' next prime minister. Wilders, 60, has long been likened to the Dutch Donald Trump for his brand of populist politics, but unlike the formula U.S., president um, he seemed destined to a lifetime in the opposition an exit poll revealing his landslide appeared to take Valdir's by surprise in his first reaction posted in a video on X formerly Twitter he spread his arms wide put his face in his hands and said simply 35. The number of seats an exit poll forecasts his party for freedom, or PVV, won in the 150-seat lower house of parliament. The only time Wilders came close to governing was when he supported the first coalition formed by Prime Minister Mark Rutte, in 2010, but Wilders did not formally join the minority administration, and brought down after just 18 months in office in a dispute over austerity, austerity measures. Since then, mainstream parties have shunned him, and so so he has won and. This is just one of a string of elections won by right-wing politicians in Europe and other parts of the world. And the main issue, particularly in Europe, has been multiculturalism, or more precisely, the failure of multiculturalism on that continent, and of course other continents also. So if you remember, you know, after, you know, well, during, while the the Iraq war was still going on, and we still have Afghanistan and Syria and all that, you had a lot of refugees coming over from uh, majority Muslim countries. And a lot of them went to Europe um, as refugees, ostensibly, uh, but a lot of them stayed there. And that has been causing a lot of problems for these European countries with the uh, lack of assimilation from a lot of these people who are basically, they, they claim to be war refugees or political refugees, but a lot of them are just uh, economic refugees or economic migrants. So they come to Europe, and that has been a very sore spot with a lot of Europeans in recent years. And so this election in the Netherlands is just the latest of a string of countries that have rejected uh, leftist policies, particularly uh, mass immigration and, of course, um, Wilders had, um, his party, PVV party, uh, ran on a basically pretty hard line, uh, anti-Islamist, um, um, plank or, um, platform, um, So, and he ran before, and, of course, with limited success. So, but his party won big this time. Also, it's also worth noting that uh, the Dutch Farmers Party, um, I forget what they're called, the Pro Farmer Party, also, I believe, won a lot of seats. So, the Netherlands is apparently starting to reject the leftist and the globalist aims of, uh, basically that are common or had been common in Europe since the, uh, early 2000s. So we'll see if this, uh, represents the, just the beginning of a tidal wave of right wing, um, wins in politics in Europe. Um, so and farther down in the um, in this article um, basically it says uh, they, the PVV wants to form a fantastic p- position with 35 seats that can totally no longer be ignored by any party Cooperate cooperate with other parties, he told, cheering supporters at his election celebration in a small bar in a suburb of The Hague. Fowler's incendiary rhetoric against Islam has made him a target for extremists and led him to living under round-the-clock protection for years. He has appeared in court as a victim of death threats vowing never to be silenced. He has moved from one safe house to another over nearly two decades. So this guy is definitely uh, no stranger to controversy, particularly when it comes to his anti-Islamist stance. In 2019, the British government refused to let him visit the country, saying that he posed a threat to, quote, community harmony and therefore public security. And, of course, the Brits have had their own problems with mass migration or mass immigration to their country and people uh, coming in faster than they can assimilate. Um, but the, the story goes on to say, to court mainstream voters, and this time around, Filders toned down his rhetoric and sought to focus less on what he calls the de-Islamization of the Netherlands and more on tackling practical issues such as housing shortages, cost of living crisis, and, his, and access to good health care. um so there you have it um geert wilders has his party has won i guess he has yet to be voted officially as prime minister of the netherlands but um you may you may remember on this podcast several times uh, where i've mentioned the netherlands Uh, starting to reject leftist policies. One of the main leftist policies that the Netherlands has faced and has been subjugated to has been the destruction of their farmland. And that was the policy of their government um, to get rid of farms um, basically regulate them to death. And so basically similar to what happened with Sri Lanka when the uh, World Economic Forum uh, and the World Bank interfered with their affairs. Um, so and Sri Lanka gave up regular farming in the name of um, a higher ESG score. And so they basically destroyed their agricultural sector and plunged their country into chaos. And something similar was in the midst of happening in the Netherlands. And so uh, I think this hopefully will build a coalition of interests and parties that will stop the globalist uh, attack on their country. In another not unrelated story, um, this one from OAN, One American News, uh, says Boris Johnson among thousands marching against anti-Semitism in London. And you may remember uh, a week or so ago, not too long ago, that there was a huge uh, pro-Palestinian march in London and in other parts of Britain so this is an, uh, a huge pro-Israel protest so it shows that there are still some decent people in uh, Britain and I say this is not unrelated because of course Britain also has a problem with uh, too many migrant migrant workers coming in Um, These are basically economic refugees coming from countries in the Middle East. And there's problems, have been problems with them assimilating into British culture. Uh, Hence, you have these gigantic uh, anti-Semitic crowds, anti-Israel crowds uh, marching in London. Now, finally... Um, There's been a march for pro-Israel, and so I'm going to read a little bit from this article again from uh, One American News, Boris Johnson, Among Thousands, Marching Against Anti-Semitism in London by OAN's Sophia Flores, and this is dated November 26th. Uh, Thousands of people gathered in the streets of London to partake in a march against anti-Semitism. Many famous faces, including former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, participated and showed their support. On Sunday, more than 100,000 people turned out to the largest protest against anti-Semitism in London since 1936. So just before uh, the outbreak of World War II. Johnson was uh, joined by senior government officials to express solidarity with the Jewish community. It says, quote, It's very sad that this march has to take place at all. What we are all doing here is showing solidarity with Jewish people, and that is necessary, he said. Uh, He also said, uh, since October 7th, there has been a very peculiar response from many parts of the world, including, I am sad to say, in London, which we've seen in this reemergence of anti-Semitism and the failure to focus on the appalling terroristic events of Hamas, Johnson continued whatever the rights and wrongs and whatever Israel has done or is doing, I think that the anti-Semitism we have seen in some of the marches around Europe has really confirmed for me the absolute human necessity for Israel to exist. And I would agree with that. Um, Then... The uh, article goes on to state how there has been a huge rise, uh, oddly enough, since October 7th in anti-Semitic crime and uh, crimes, I guess, hate crimes against uh, Jewish people in Britain and mentions that the pro-Palestinian rally that happened uh, drew tens of thousands of Of people, and they're causing for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza, of course, basically rewards Hamas for the brutal slaying of the Israelis on October 7th. Which, by the way, um, so Israel has agreed to, I think it was a five day ceasefire that's underway, and so. Uh, Hamas or the Palestinians agreed to uh, release so many uh, hostages each day of the ceasefire, up to a total of 50. So that, by the way, is what's going on there. Um, uh, Getting back to this story, the UK has really been kind of inundated with um refugees mainly economic from the middle east for the better part of 15 years again a lot of it started in early 2000s with the invasion of iraq and afghanistan then when the war heated up in syria they saw a lot of people coming over from uh, various countries in the middle east particularly i guess syria Um, and since, but they've fled those countries, but they've wound up in places like Sweden and Britain and France and Germany, and also, of course, the Netherlands. And so they haven't really had a very great record, apparently, of assimilating to the culture. And a lot of them are, are, it's basically in britain um the understanding is that these are basically uh economic refugees um these aren't people who um in every case would have would be persecuted in their home country um maybe some of them would be but anyhow so that's been a big problem across europe and you can see by the results of the elections you know in the Netherlands and in Hungary and in Italy and other places you know strong showings in France by uh, Le Pen and their right-wing party there and of course Britain still for at least for the time being has a conservative government although not governing as conservatives necessarily but they are conservatives at least in name if not by nature and so it is a problem and it is part of basically a bigger problem that i would say generally of globalism and leftism of course i go back to the part where the netherlands were basically uh, self-immolating themselves through uh, destroying their agricultural sector the way Sri Lanka did um, in the name of fighting climate change and um, whatever, ec- you know, ecological justice or whatever they call it on the left. But there's been a big pushback, you know. Of course, farmers are not going to vote to put themselves out of work. So, you know, I know uh, recent elections their farmer pro-farmer party has won a lot of seats. Now, um, this anti-immigration party has also won a lot of seats. So, but it le- seems like in Europe, the direction has been. Uh, in favor of more right-wing politicians and governments and a rejection of leftist and globalist policies. And so that continues. And in yet another uh, article, um, this one from just news one of our favorite news sites of course if you follow the podcast you know that uh, it says Democrat Democratic Fundraiser Act blue processing donations for illegal immigrants bail fund and so it's obviously a bail fund where people are caught you know illegal aliens are caught and they're being bailed out. And so this just goes to show you where uh, the Democrats' priorities are. Um, so I'll just read a little bit about uh, from this article. Uh, the Democratic fundraising platform ActBlue is processing donations for a bail fund to bail out black illegal immigrants according to the fund's donation website so if it's not even illegal they have to i guess be further intersectional by being black the black immigrants Bell fund is a project of the haitian bridge alliance and the african bureau of immigration and social affairs and donations are processed by act blue per the donation page the groups provide quote, free assistance and relief to black immigrants in pursuit of liberation and justice, with the goal of ending the mass incarceration of black immigrants and level the playing field of equity in due process, transforming one life at a time, according to the donation page and so of course this is again the Democrats um, have questionable um, policies you know famously the Democrat or a lot of Democrats supported uh, a bail fund that released the uh, all the you know the rioters of the 2020 riots back in the summer of 2020 and so here they are they seem to be at it again um, they they seem to care more about illegal immigrants than the people who are here legally um, so they are a very pro-illegal immigrant party. So this is just one one more example that goes to show this. And so we have yet another example of how, um, in the West, you know, people um, or governments or countries um, have uh, being overwhelmed by illegal immigration. People uh, not going to their country legally. They're making, in many cases, false claims of asylum. And, you know, like here and in Britain, France, Germany, Holland, uh, Hungary, um, a lot of other places throughout Europe and America you know a lot of people are saying enough and then of course is a big issue here and it's going to be a big issue in the 2024 election here and of course donald trump we know all know where he stands he wants to build the wall he wants to um greatly reduce the number of illegal immigrants into this country. Obviously he would reduce that number to zero if he could, but his policy is basically going to be uh, fighting illegal immigration, Um, safe to say that he's going to want to finish building the wall, and also uh, deport illegal immigrants, you know, they're not just going to catch and release them into the interior of the country like they are now. Uh, We'll go back to the policy of uh, stay in Mexico while your asylum claim is being adjudicated and that was a pretty good policy. It worked pretty well during the Trump administration and of course things went off the rails as soon as Biden was elected, and there's been an entire surge of illegal immigrants trying to get into this country. Of course, America has not been alone, as I've mentioned throughout the podcast. A lot of different countries' um, governments are changing in favor of more right-wing policies, uh, stricter immigration that nature. So let's talk now a little bit about the problems associated with uh, basically uncontrolled immigration, uh, a lack of solid borders. So let's talk about some of the pitfalls of uncontrolled immigration. Of course, you know, upon hearing that, you know, my critics and the critics of those uh, like Trump and uh, other people um, it's oh, inevitably gets misrepresented and they like to trot out their favorite uh straw man argument and this is the mascot apparently of the left the straw man because they love to uh misrepresent the conservative and libertarian view on immigration they call us xenophobic or anti-immigration and that is not the truth Now, with the exception of Wilders, who will probably be the next PM of the Netherlands, he he did, in fact, run on basically an anti-immigration pause on immigration into his country. But in the United States and most other places, um, particularly in Britain, people who speak out against uh, illegal immigration Are unfairly tarred with the uh, moniker of being again xenophobic or anti immigrant because the left always dishonestly uh, conflates immigration with uh, illegal immigration. And so there you have it, they have a very dishonest representation of the conservative stance now of course we'll see what uh wilders wilders will do in the netherlands whether we he will be able to govern from such a strict stance probably he'll have to make some sort of compromise with regards to that but again aside from him i don't know any other right-wing politician that has said, as a policy, you know, you know, no more immigration. I think that he is the only one. So basically, and of course, um, the other dishonest thing that if you, if you, uh, in googling um, this story about um, Wilders in in the Netherlands, you see a whole string. Of stories saying, you know, far right wing politician wins Dutch election, or far right wing politician uh, wins uh, in a landslide in Netherlands, or something like that. But everyone calls him a far right wing politician, and of course, they use that against Viktor Orban. And other politicians in Europe, too, who are really, in reality, they are basically just center or right of center. But they like to uh, have people think that they're, like, far right with the intention that the implication, obviously, particularly in Europe, is that far right equals fascist. And in the minds of, particularly, I guess, Europeans, Um, That's the image that's uh, trying to be portrayed is they call everybody far right so that they'll be associated with uh, fascism like in the 20th century, which, of course, is not the case. But again, you know, you cannot count particularly on the left leaning media uh, anywhere in the world to be honest. So about that they're going to have their dishonest taken you know far far right-wing politician this far right-wing politician that they have to get in that far right wing when again in reality their position is you know if you want to uh stop illegal immigrants into your country um coming into your country that's not a far right position at all that should be just a centrist normal average everyday position i think that is but it's being portrayed again as far right because the um liberal media is dishonest as always so but the problem is that you know um the real problem that um the Republicans in the United States and the conservatives in other countries have with it is that they come to our country or whatever country, and they stay, they overstay their visas, and they don't assimilate. They don't learn the language of that country. They don't adopt the, adopt the predominant culture of that country. You know, the people going in the migrants uh, coming into Germany aren't learning to become Germans. You know, they're not trying to become Germans. They're trying to be whatever country they're from, whatever nationality they're from, just in Germany. And the same thing happens in the Netherlands and in Sweden, Finland, and other places like that, and of course, we have something like that happen in the United States too. So the problem is not that, not the simple fact, as left would have everybody think, of the people who are foreign, is that they don't choose to adopt to the uh, majority culture. In what other whatever country they're in so you know they don't try to be german or british or american and that is the main complaint i know i've listened to enough podcasts and enough pundits from different countries you know particularly in britain and canada to know that that's the actual argument it's not The the simple fact that these are immigrants, they're not anti-immigrant, first of all. That's a misrepresentation, as I mentioned. They're anti-illegal immigrant or uh, anti-bringing in too many refugees faster than the culture can assimilate them, faster than they can learn the language and adopt the customs of their new country. They're trying to reproduce what they had in their old country, in their new country, just with better jobs. That's basically what the main complaint is. And of course, when these people come in, they are, in fact, taking jobs from people, particularly on the bottom rungs of the socioeconomic ladder. That's just a fact. They don't have a lot of skills. Some of them do but they don't speak the language. They don't have the same level of education in many cases. And so they are competing for those entry level and very uh, low level jobs, you know, minimum wage jobs in our country, they'd be called. Um, they're, they're fighting for the bottom rung of the economic ladder. And so that is, that is the problem which they are having and of course there is the problem of terrorism some of them do in fact uh coming you know a lot of terrorists do in fact infiltrate into these com- countries like france and belgium we had a big problem with that uh, f- a few years back you may remember there was a terrorist attack Uh, happening almost every few weeks, you know, basically monthly, you know, there was a seemed like there was a large-scale terrorist attack where where someone was shooting up a mall, you know, they shot up the uh, Charlie Hebdo headquarters in France, for instance, and things like that, and now there, you know, also there was a recent stabbing by uh, um, an in um ireland by a person originally from algeria he's i believe he was a naturalized citizen to ireland and he went on a stabbing spree and there's been protests against that um also so even in ireland uh, that's like the democrats of basically europe you know that's (laughs) a uh, very liberal-leaning, left-leaning country, and a lot of them also have had enough, and I think it's probably not too long before the pendulum starts swinging back to the right in Ireland also. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Irish politics. And, of course, Conor McGregor of... Um, of uh, you know the the fighter uh mixed martial arts fighter fame champion um you know he was very outspoken about uh what's happening in his country of ireland with regards to all of the immigrants they they have like an incredible number of taken in a couple of, of refugees from lots of different countries um I think Ukraine and countries in the Middle East, particularly, I think, Syria. Um, So you have a lot of people not necessarily uh, assimilating into the culture of Ireland in this case. And so now that seems to be a problem. That has come to a forefront. So it seems like worldwide, um, basically every country in the West is having some sort of problem with migrant workers or immigrants or refugees coming into their country and causing problems again this isn't just xenophobia this is you know actual problems you know they migrate in they take the jobs mainly again on the lower rings of the economic ladder um, they displace people from those jobs and they're, of course, in, in competition now for, f- with the citizens of that country for resources like schooling and medicine and things like that. And that becomes a problem. And then, of course, in some extreme cases, you've had, uh, terrorism arise. Again, I mentioned, um, uh, the attacks in France of a few years ago, and they're fairly common all across the world uh, not too long ago. Um, And so only recently uh, in the last five or six years, particularly after Trump has become president, you know, uh, Trump put an end basically to the ISIS caliphate that was driving a lot of that... uh, islamicist terrorism um in europe and america so he and our allies helped put an end to the isis caliphate and that helped uh stop a lot of the problems but now of course with israel being under attack um you know particularly after the events of october 7th the the, you know the massacres of men women and children and the taking of hostages of the israeli citizens um particularly in uh in the cold-blooded murder basically of israelis on uh, october 7th uh, another date which shall live in infamy um you know since then there's been a rot, uh, resurgence in anti-Semitism, and of course, I mentioned the pro- the counter-protest, I guess you would call it, uh, in Britain where that Boris Johnson took play- took part in. Um, about a hundred thousand people marched through the streets of London and protest against anti-Semitism. So it's a little bit heartening to see that and see that there is a pushback, and I think the uh, we may find, I think, in um, the not-too-distant uh, future, the historians would say this was a turning point, and basically the attack on Israel on tips, uh, October 7, 2023, was one of those turning point events where, You know, you had people uh, marching in the streets of Australia and places in Europe, particularly in Britain and the United States, and you have people on college campuses marching in solidarity, not with the Israelis that were attacked, but with their attackers, the Palestinians uh, and Hamas, who carried out all of these uh, attacks and atrocities um so it, it is good i think that is a bridge too far even for a lot of traditional leftists a lot of uh maybe more people who are left leaning or liberal i want to say more than leftist um liberal people um that's a bridge too far for them and you know they're not on board with all the anti-semitism that they see in their ranks and so even some of them are speaking up against them and so that's good to see it's good to see um these demonstrations we just had one uh in washington dc i think there's been several you know new york city i think two uh pro-israel demonstrations I think that's a good thing that's a sign that there are still people out there with some sort of moral compass that works and that there is a line that even some liberals will not cross and of course you know what happens with regards to the massacre of the Jews in in and around Gaza uh, in Israel Um, you know, that was a bridge too far for many of them, and and it did present a moment of moral clarity to some people who have been a little bit maybe confused, let's say, uh, particularly coming from the left, you know, they're fine with all these climate changes and all these uh, um, destructive policies with regards to climate change and immigration, and now uh, finally, they've found something that they, that line that they even they will not cross. So hopefully there has been a turning point um, both with regards to uh, fighting anti-Semitism but also leftism in general. And another you know, symptom of that has been the recent elections in Argentina and the Netherlands. So we think that maybe, uh, hopefully, that you know the leftists or the woke movement, or whatever you want to call it, in America and Europe has hit rock bottom. And now, hopefully, the rebound will continue. And it will continue, hopefully, in 2024 with the election of, uh, if not Donald Trump, some other Republican candidate will put an end to all of this uh, leftism uh, nonsense, leftist nonsense. So hopefully that uh, we will be part of that pendulum swinging back to the right. And hopefully that is a real thing and not just a flash in the pan. That is a real worldwide movement against leftism. And we can only hope. And so, just to summarize, I guess, uh, multiculturalism, bad. It has failed. It has been a force of societal decay and destruction wherever it has been tried and practiced. Um, certain countries going back as far as 2010 with Angela Merkel saying that it's been another failure. Um, now that sentiment is spreading to various other countries in Europe and now the political cycle is catching up to that populist sentiment. And because multiculturalism again is a one of many, I would say, destructive leftist, um, I don't know, uh, positions or um, whatever efforts. Uh, again, with then tie that to uh, mass immigration, much of that illegal, and the destruction of national boundaries and the dissolving of borders, particularly in America. Um, it's caused a lot of problem, but that's only one of the many problems that the um, the left has produced. Of course, there's economics, you know, out of control spending, causing mass inflation and uh, that sort of thing. You know, we have that, and we have critical race theory being taught in schools. Um, you know, they'll they'll say that it's not being taught, but of course, it is. Some form of it is being taught. In schools, and we, you know, certain states are pushing back uh, against that in the United States, and you're starting to see a reduction. People, uh, different companies, corporation, uh, greatly reducing their DEI efforts and um, on you know that front, reducing the money, the amount of money they're spending on DEI initiatives. And so that is another sign that um, people are starting to reject the leftist narratives, and hopefully are are returning to something like common sense. And that doesn't mean you're xenophobic or homophobic or Islamicphobic or any of that nonsense. You know, none of those uh, straw men that the uh, left likes to trot out. Um, regarding you know xenophobia or whatever, or we're anti-immigrant or whatever. That's all nonsense. It's basically, well, it is lies. Um, but people believe it. Um, but now I see people are starting to feel uh, the destructive nature of some of these leftist policies and they're starting to figure out that, hey, um, it's the same people wanting this mass immigration as wanting to spend all the money on social programs and who want you know endless wars and all that sort of thing they're starting to tie it all the indus- the destruction of the agricultural sector and those sort of things and pitting people black against white and Male against female, and immigrant against uh, native, and, and stuff like that. A lot of them are finally tying all of those things to the left where they belong. And so now it seems like the pendulum is swinging back to the right, but of course only time will tell whether that's a kind of permanent movement Or whether that's just a flash of the pen. I think it is a genuine thing where one by one these countries are waking up and saying, you know, know, this is too much. You know, we've taken this too far. Now it's time to go back the other way and try uh, more conservative leaders. So that is what's going on. and so now um we are at the end of thanksgiving weekend of 2023 so hopefully everybody had a great thanksgiving i know we have plenty of to be thankful for even in this uh crazy messed up world of ours there's still plenty to be thankful for at least we have some avenue of ability to control our, our own destinies at least so far and of course people in the netherlands and other places are uh exercising that control so hopefully this podcast and information that you get on this podcast is one small drop in the bucket of that goes toward your education or learning about these things learning why uh conservative is um good for lack of a, you know maybe to oversimplify and leftism is bad why things like multiculturalism is bad and stuff like that maybe this podcast helps you learn about these things and think about these things in a way you maybe haven't before so hopefully and if we do if i if i help in some way um, uh, That's great. That's something I'm thankful for is to at least have some avenue of putting out this information. So, again, we have plenty to be thankful for. And, but, you know, being thanks or giving thanks, having gratitude is not just something for one day a year. It's something that we need to do every day a uh, year and so i am thankful for you watching and listening and following the liberty Relearn podcast uh lr podcast at lr podcast on getter uh liberty relearned on facebook and liberty relearned.com online so i thank you for watching and listening and following and please like and subscribe and until next time stay healthy happy and free